John, good evening and thank you for joining us, man. And thanks for having me. Great stuff. So, John, I mean, uh, I mean, we don't have to go through a definition of black tax per se. I think anyone that has been, uh, you know, awake uh, for the last, and when I mean awake, I'm not meaning woke, but awake, <laughs> just just conscious for the last five years, would be aware that we have this thing called black tax. Or uh, for other people, they prefer the term the sandwich generation, where you have to take care of all kinds of things. You know, uh, the ones uh-huh. that came before you and the ones that come after you. Uh, because, you know, we technically the first generation of people um, who are professional, earn at a particular level, etc., etc. Um, I mean, fundamentally speaking, should we see this as, and I think that for me is the obvious and important uh, starting point, should we actually see this as being a financial burden on this generation who are settled with black tax or this, this, this uh, uh, sandwich generation that we are talking about? I think let me start by acknowledging that this is a a, a very sensitive subject um, mm. because black tax means different things to different people. Uh, it could be a blessing or it could be a curse, depending on which side of the fence you're sitting on. There are uh, different school of thoughts. There are people who are at the extreme um, ends of, uh, you know, from an opinion point of view as, as to whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm. Uh, but but I certainly do not believe that it is a burden or one should actually look at it as, as a burden in the context of a person recognizing the role that their own family um, has played in their lives. But then on the other hand, there's a question of what is actually the timeline Mm. for me to be able to provide this financial support to the family. When, at what point will I start saying um, I need to start building wealth because I have this backlog, especially amongst uh, uh, perhaps, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, black people. I think that seems to be uh, the challenge. Not that uh, black tax itself is coined black tax simply because it affects black people. I believe that it does cut across races, but it's more prevalent. Uh, and this is confirmed by a study that we, we do on an annual basis, that it is more prevalent amongst, amongst black people. So, so, so for somebody to say it is a burden, you're going to offend people who, with, you know, with passion. You know, people who believe very strongly that, no, I need to actually play a role and, and, and assist my family. But then you also have young people who feel that they have a lot to contend with on a single salary that they have to take care of their own children and they also have to support the extended family and they realize that they're getting into debt simply mm. because they, they're struggling to actually uh, balance this thing you know so um, and, 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 and I think maybe that's where certain people would say well well I see this is becoming more of a burden uh, you know so I think it is it's also a matter of opinion depending on how a person is experiencing this phenomenon. I guess, yeah, it's it's uh, contingent on a couple of things. I guess what your level of responsibility is under those circumstances. Are you the person that's maybe helping mom and dad out with the medical aid? Or, you know, are you helping out with uh, groceries, rent, um, clothes, electricity in the works, whilst trying to obviously start up your own family as well? Um, and it, as you said, you know, it is dependent and contingent on what it is that they have provided you with and what their financial uh, situation is as a result. But I mean, as as we are moving towards, um, you know, 
as we are moving towards a time now where uh, we, we should be moving away from a, a black tax, or maybe I should frame my question differently. Are we entering a phase or time where we should be moving away from the notion of black tax, whereby we are creating wealth that is sustainable? So in other words, uh, whatever black tax might be imposed on my, myself or my generation shouldn't then in turn be imposed on... Uh, my children, as an example. I mean, is that a responsibility that you, me, and everyone else b- bears at this particular point in time? Yeah, you see, the challenge with that is that there isn't a written contract. Uh, this is a psychological contract, if you like. Mm. Uh, it, is, it is a pressure that is also, to a degree, imposed by uh, society because there's an expectation that this needs to happen. Now, I think in the context of uh, our history, uh, you know, and also perhaps uh, levels, high levels of poverty and, and, and income inequality. You, you find, especially young professionals, your middle income uh, a, a group that feels that, look, I am unable to actually catch up on, on the wealth um, accumulation in comparison perhaps to my uh, other uh, counterparts, you mm-hmm. know, from other regions. Because now, uh, when, because if the first 10 to 15 years of my working life mm-hmm. is going to be spent investing money, um, um, you know, I call it investing because, I mean, you are contributing in, to the livelihood of your, of your family. Mm. Uh, and, and, and on the other hand, you realize that you have children who are growing and you have not even begun to actually start even saving for their education going yeah, forward. Yeah. Now, the challenge here is that um, the cycle of dependency is likely going to be entrenched because your children uh, will like, most likely find themselves in a situation where if there was no provision or adequate provision made for them to further their studies, um, especially amongst your middle-income group. Yes, there's, there's been a move uh, by government to subsidize higher education, but then, as you would imagine, that it, it doesn't cover everybody. You know, so we mm. keep talking about the missing middle, um, but then there would be uh, sections, um, you know, of our population that would not necessarily be covered. And there's no guarantee that 10 or 15 years down the line, it will still remain the priority of government. Perhaps maybe there may be other things. We don't know what challenges would be there uh, at that point in time. So therefore, um, it, I think it is, it is really a dilemma that a, a lot of young professionals find themselves in. No, I mean, before we get into um, the old mutual savings and investments, monitor um, the findings around black tax, uh, you know, uh, being the major cause of, of financial distress. Before we even get into that particular conversation there, um, just taking a step back quickly there, John, um, I'm also looking at sort of what then the impact of black tax has then on poverty alleviation, broadly speaking. Um, and, and, and what that then implies is that there's almost a responsibility on you as an individual, despite obviously all the moves and the things that you and I have discussed from uh, freeing up higher education all the way through to, um, uh, you know, subsidies uh, that people have access to, uh, old age grants, grants, um, you know, government housing for, for the indigent, etc., etc. The fact of the matter is, is that government's uh, social security net is not broad enough and wide enough. Uh, to keep people safe, financially and, and safe in this instance. No, absolutely. And, and not only that, it is also not sustainable. 
uh, it is just not sustainable, you know. So, so, but, but then, uh, you know, I'm almost tempted to get to uh, a question you haven't asked yet to say, I mean, how do we deal with this thing? But we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. But the challenge really is, um, it, it is a reality that is there. It's it's not something that you can run away. I mean, I had somebody ask me the other day and say, well, shouldn't you, how do you say no, for example, to uh, family members or in particular, maybe parents who, who need help? And I said, look, yeah. you know, some some things are easier said than done because when you have a parent, for example, who lives maybe in the township or in the villages and you are a working South African in a metropolitan area and you receive a call and your parent says, well, there's no food in the house. They don't have to ask you for anything. They just need to mention that there's no food in the house. Mm. Now, under those circumstances, do you just ignore or do you then say, look, how do I feel comfortable wearing my 4,000 sneakers, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, sipping some very expensive wine? And yeah, I'm, I'm listening to a pattern that says there's no food in the house. Uh, yeah, no, no, for sure. But I, I think also, I mean, the the framework that you and I have been working on is also sort of one of good faith. You know, is, 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 is uh, you know, the legally scholared types would say it's a bona fide uh, approach that we're taking. And we're assuming that everyone is bona fide in our conversation, that they're doing this out of good faith and that there they is legitimate uh, financial need. And that's uh, the be all and the end all of that particular story. But the fact is that all too often when I have conversations with uh, uh, colleagues and friends about black tax. All too often you find the other scenario that I think that you and I haven't touched on, and that is the fact that, unfortunately, and I, I can't think of another term to use in this instance, we have a lot of deadbeat family members. So you would have the uh, sibling, you would have the uncle, you would have the someone that is not in dire financial need or uh, in yeah. the situation that they're in because, uh, lo and behold, life is just difficult, um, you know, educate bad, poor education in the past, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All too often, it's people that you know really like uh, you know the, the the contents of brown bottles and spend their time chasing it and and dedicating literally dedicating their entire existence to the contents of brown bottles. Um, and and you know that's all that matters. That's the only thing that uh, uh, they can think about and that they want to enjoy. And they don't, they can't sustain themselves through jobs. They can't hold down jobs, let alone they can't run businesses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and therefore become a financial burden on you. How do we deal with that scenario? Where on the un- one hand you might have a younger sibling that you need to support through university or whatever else the case is, but then you also have the uncle or the brother or the sister that just simply doesn't want to work. And uh, you can't sort of leave them just to be homeless and starving to death. How do we deal with those scenarios? Yeah, so I think part of the challenge is the fact that we are not socialized to discuss uh, money issues very openly and, and frankly. So, and, and I think uh, that there is certainly a need. You know, one who, a person who finds themselves in that situation would have to take their family into confidence and say, look, I cannot give what I don't have. Um, yes, uh, if if there is a set number that you are comfortable with to share with your family to say, look, this is how far I can go with assisting, with um, uh, uh, you know, supporting in terms of to cover living expenses. Then you say, look, if you come to me in the middle of the month uh, uh, to ask for money, I won't be able to assist. 
and if you know you have to find way but i think there's other things so you need to you need to deal with that issue you need to uh discuss uh, that issue you cannot just not discuss it and you want to discuss issues as a non because that's why sometimes you find that these family squabbles because people all of a sudden start throwing statements around that you are not supportive you know you are now compass mm. uh, just because you've made it in life you've forgotten where you come from you know so that's how people get uh, blackmailed emotionally but that live but in then the suburbs yeah, you know, so we need to challenge this uh, status quo to a degree that it must, they must, we must be responsible in how we manage. In fact, we, we need to uh, also make use of whatever financial knowledge we may have acquired to actually start transferring that to our family members to say, look, there is this thing called a need and there is this thing called a want that I will not be able to assist with once. Um, I would be in no position to sub- to cover that because then um, I do have children that I also need to take care of. I do have my immediate family that I also have to take off, take care of. And I think uh, one one can actually put their foot down, especially on family members that are not responsible with managing uh, their own money or those who don't even end. I mean, if they anything that they receive, as you as you say, goes to the brown bottles, then why should why should I? No, no, for sure. Look, a uh, very interesting one that came through as well. Um, it's a WhatsApp from Ephraim that I think also uh, throws another cat amongst the pigeons there, uh, John, in our conversation. Black tax, again, is today paid by parents. Like our kids come to, uh, home uh, and take food, meat, etc. They will also ask money for fuel. Their kids will also ask for pizza and many other things. And this is from Ephraim uh, from Madrid. And that's all too often what happens, isn't it? Is that uh, you're living sort of your very comfortable middle-class life. Mum and dad are still left in the township. Um, and, and you know, you go home and when you get there, mum and dad need to feed and they need to make sure that, you know, uh, we, we, we dined very nicely and looked after. And then um, also beyond that, I mean, beyond sort of just that uh, simple effect is that, you know, we bring our children along and our children have developed certain uh, quintessential middle-class tendencies and tastes for life. So they want the pizzas, they want the everything, you know. So, um, you know, that also then has a financial impact. So it's almost, uh, is it necessarily always two-way? Is it almost a, a, a not a transactional because that that's, uh, implies something else, but is it sort of a, a two-way junction that we are talking about here, that it's not necessarily one way where it's a uh, young uh, black professional entering the workplace for the first time um, and then forced to sort of look after everyone else but it's also mum and dad that have to then in turn um, still be burdened by someone who technically should be working and should be looking after themselves well yeah so you you, you, you certainly do have uh, adult uh, dependents I mean there are people who would still depend on their parents even in their late 50s, especially given the, the status of unemployment in our country. So there are a lot of people who actually live with their, with their, with their parents and, and, and literally in some instances who um, survive on their parents' uh, social grants. But as to what percentage of our population are in that kind of uh, situation is a different matter, but certainly there is uh, that uh, kind of setup as well, where where you have parents that actually continue to financially support their old, old own children, including their grandchildren, you know, yeah. up to their retirement age. That's that's what I wanted to say because that's also the other issue is that uh, again, you know, we're living in the uh, 
nice metropolitan areas and you know on a Friday night you're able to go Tinasia Gruva as we will say colloquially <laughs> but um, you know uh, the little three-year-old toddler is left with mom and dad at home and all too often you find that their child is their responsibility not only in terms of how much they have to care uh, you know, and look after the child and sort of be kept busy with it. But they, they incur the expenses of making sure there's enough nappies, there's enough uh, formula, there's enough food, the clothing and that type of thing. And, you know, mom and dad's right. input is sometimes very minimal under those circumstances. So, I mean, ultimately the framework that we've, what, that I'm sort of extracting from this, and I'm not saying that it's the majority or it's for everyone, but that there is uh, an intersectional um again you know especially if you're emerging from a poor um environment that there's almost this intersectional nature of what the expenditure would be and your expenses are and what the expectations ultimately are it, it, that that for me seemingly is what i'm getting out of our conversation am i wrong for that assumption no no, no you're, you're right in fact maybe to add uh, you know to to perhaps even touch on your your last comment about parents having to play a role the maintenance act as well <laughs> to a lesser degree has also paved the way for that so because if you have a child and you are unemployed and you are unable to support this child mm. the constitution protects the interests of the children to the extent that the 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 mother uh, of a child um, is entitled to approach the courts and demand that uh, the parents actually take over. You know, if the parents mm. have the means and uh, and the father does not have the means, the law does recognize uh, that father. You know, the the parents can actually even play a role. I I was approached by somebody who said. Uh, they they uh, they have a, a worker, and uh, this worker um, has received summons to appear at many. And she is a grandmother, you know. She is a grandmother, and uh, but her, her her child has a, you know, her, her son rather had um, a, a child, and then he is unemployed. Now they wanted to come and appear with her pay sleep. She's a grandmother. So so you can imagine, this is actually also institutionalized to a degree in order to protect the interests of the child. So, I mean, that then leaves me then with putting two things. And I mean, you did the very honorable thing at the beginning there, John, maybe a little more honorable than me, because my approach to finances, um, and, and it's obviously dependent. My parents, I guess, are... Uh, inverted commas, holy cows, and I'm lucky in that I personally uh, am in a position and my parents are in a position whereby I can literally focus on my nuclear family. So I can raise my three kids. uh, We can pay for the expensive uh, private school. We can, you know, make sure that our children have a decent life. I don't have to um, spend sleepless nights uh, worrying about my the welfare of my parents. And yes, I'm not saying it's easy for them either, but uh-huh. they're not financially dependent on me at this particular uh-huh. stage in time, which, as I said, I'm very thankful for. However, uh-huh. um, that then frees me up to invest in the next generation being my children. I can give them the education that they require. I can pay for the health care that they require, etc., 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 the problem for me is, is that when we're having these conversations about black tax, uh-huh. what then bothers me, and I think you've mentioned that before as well, at, you know, at the, at the onset of our conversation, is the problem that unfortunately we, we left with young people um, who aren't able to sort of kickstart their own lives 
and create the life that they that they that they are entitled to, where they uh, themselves are then able to take out that first bond, purchase the vehicle that they you know of their choice, um, you know, have the uh, what's this the medical aid, aid plan that they would like to have, etc. 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 You know all of those things that we talk mm-hmm. about. So I mean, how do we then juxtapose what you were saying, sort of doing the honourable thing? versus then being incurred with inverted commas a lot of these issues yeah you see because when it comes to savings and investment time is your best friend Mm. Um, and and i think for a lot of people uh lo and behold uh you know when they find themselves in that situation and and that the cost of delay Mm. uh, is so significant to the extent that um uh, to the extent that you know, um, if you're only going to start focusing uh, on yourself uh, 15 or 20 years into your career, um, you would have so many, uh, you know, years left before you actually retire. Um, now, if you're going to be funding a black tax from from your salary, then you've got a much bigger challenge because then um, that cost of delay is not only going to affect you, but it's also going to be passed on to your to, to your children. So, so which begs the question, you know, um, how, how does one deal with this kind of situation? I think there's other ways of, of, of looking at this. I mean, so you could, apart from, from educating your family um, about the subject of money management, the difference between needs and wants in your own way, of course, and in the context of the circumstances, but you also need to find uh, a, a side hustle if, if need be. Uh, so to alleviate mm. the burden on yourself um, so that you can actually do this and uh, not grudgingly, but you can do it uh, and, uh, perhaps uh, more comfortably. I mean, I, I remember my late mother, used to, uh, before she died, I mean, she had two properties in Soweto. Um, and she, although she was not living in in, the, in, the, in those two properties, because she was living in Limpopo at the time, but she had two properties in Soweto. And she actually had, she could, uh, she could manage to uh, get um, people to rent and then from her rental income and from her, uh, you know, social grant, I mean, she, she was comfortable, you know, not, not, rich but she was comfortable enough to cover yeah. her own thing so therefore the, the, there wasn't so much pressure um given those circumstances again we have a role to play to look at our families and say look if you are uh, um for example educated and you you start identifying opportunities to assist your family to start creating wealth themselves um, so if, for example, you uh, you have parents that live in, in maybe in a township and there's an opportunity to actually, if there's demand for accommodation there, that's another opportunity to have rooms there. And for, through the rental income, you will then realize that, well, there is. So, do you, so we need to look at the economics um, around the areas that they live and areas where you live to see if you could, uh, you know, capitalize on a side hustle there. No, that I think would be essential, and it's a very important point that you're raising there in terms of being able to free up and start thinking about the finances differently. Now, you and I have been talking quite for quite some time about sort of the substantive issues around black tax, what is black tax, how it impacts on people's lives. I think that for many of our listeners right now, John, and, and this is where I'm pulling in that uh, survey that uh, 
Old Mutual had uh, conducted and, and, you know, the findings thereof, and I think it's important, the Old Mutual Savings and Investment Monitor um, uh, and, and the impact that black tax ultimately has on people. I think we, we can pull that into the conversation now at this stage. I mean, the one thing that I found fascinating is that 72% of working Metro South Africans are currently supporting or foresee that they will have to support older family members in the future. I mean, that was uh, uh, up from 70% in, in 2017. So it seems that uh, at least for, in terms of having to look after our parents, and I presume that is what older um, uh, largely, uh, what what this older um, family members uh, portion of the survey is making reference to, that we're really looking in this instance at our parents and maybe, uh, people, or in essence, at least people who have raised us, um, you know, to to adulthood. Is that so? Yeah, and 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 I must say, I mean, that's quite a high number there. And uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, you know, 83%, I mean, when, when you look at the black respondents, I mean, they, uh, I think it came to about 83%, I mean, who foresee that they will have to support uh, all their family members. So that tells you that, you know, even before a, a person starts paying black tax, but there's an anticipation, there's an acceptance that I will have to do this. But I think, we, we, you know, when you're dealing with millennials, it's a different ballgame. They are too bold. They are too bold to express themselves. Mm. And, um, you know, if, if I may say, so, you know, many of them don't take nonsense. I'm not saying it's nonsense to support. I don't mean to be interpreted in that context. But uh, you do have millennials that have very strong views about about the same issue, we say, look, yes, I know that there, there is an expectation, but I'm not going to do it. Or if they say I'll do it, and they will be, they will do it under very strict conditions. So I think they are. They we we seeing... I think that makes me a millennial. <laughs> 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 no, because I mean, and, and and this is you know, I don't want to um, uh, deviate very quickly because we are going through the the, the, the findings of your monitor. But I mean, in as much as I hear what you are saying, and and I I, I, I said it uh, earlier on that you're a little more honourable than myself. I do find that my approach generally is is that if you are an adult, um, in, in particular, an adult family member who is able and capable, who, you know, edu- you, you had an education, you had opportunities, or even if you failed at your education, but that is through your own doing, but you, you're not unable to work, you're not unable to survive, then I'm sorry, why am I going to find myself in a position whereby I'm literally uh, robbing Paul to pay Peter. In other words, I'm taking food, um, resources, education, healthcare, and all kinds of other important things from my children. Another text that I'm, an, an additional text that I have to pay, um, you know, as, as a middle class individual, away from my kids because I have to support a younger sister, a younger brother, uh, a cousin, an errant uncle, or whatever the case is. I guess with parents it's different. They paid for your education, uh, they raised you. Uh, they gave the best um, under limited resources and they had a glass ceiling as we will never be able to uh, forget in this country. There was a, a glass ceiling that was placed over you purely on the basis of the color of your skin. But now, you know, years later, yeah, you come along and, and there is no reason, no real legitimate reason for you to be living a life of poverty. It's almost as if you've chosen a life of poverty. And, you know, when the debit orders start going off, you you're on the phone uh, busy sending, please call me to to Gersh to assist. I mean, that for me is not on. Yeah, you know, so so I think the the uh, the value systems 
mm. uh, that people subscribe to actually have a lot to do with how people react, yeah. uh, whether for or against, or maybe or maybe uh, you know those who are neutrals, you know, who are a bit mm. liberal. And yes, they will assist, but they will also tell you no. But uh, don't 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 push the envelope. And and I think for yeah. me that's uh, perhaps maybe that's the kind of view that I generally gravitate to. You know that you know you you would have to be a, a bit liberal, but you know assist, but also be frank enough to say, listen, uh, um, I cannot be seen as a family ATM. I will assist, yes, mm-hmm. but I w- I would not necessarily be you know just. Uh, sending money around for the sake of sending money around, it's going to be, uh, you know, well considered. Um, but more importantly, that it's going to form part of my financial planning. It's going to form part of my budget, that it's actually, it is a line item there. And if that line item is exceeded, then, well, unfortunately, there's no money, you know. So mm. so if you don't actually balance it, it's a challenge. Uh, but again, the, the, the question would be also, um, where where did this thing all start? You know, I think you know, and and I think this is the part where uh, people can disagree or agree that uh, you know part of this stems from uh, you know, especially uh, amongst African families, where you know, or, you know, before or before apartheid, one would argue that, and before colonization, that uh, there were you know. Families were were sharing the Commonwealth. I mean, they coexisted mm. and they lived in uh, well in proximity uh, uh, of each other, and they distributed the wealth amongst themselves. But then, with with people with families being pulled apart, um, uh, and it, it disrupted that system um, to the extent that now the 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 large uh, wealth reserves that were there, that were initially there, um, can no longer be distributed in the manner that it used to be dis- distributed because there's no pooling of the wealth of um, communities in the manner that it was structured at the time. Now, because now you have family members that live far away from, from the other family members, and the cost of living where they live in the suburbs mm. Is far higher now. You actually have to split those resources. You need to find a exactly. way to send money home. Yeah, so it's, it's a very complicated affair. No, oh, ex- extremely. And then, I mean, let's look at also another number that stood out for me is twenty percent of black respondents basically uh, uh, working in the in in metropolitan South Africa uh, regularly support at least one of. Their siblings. I mean, that for me is we've largely been talking about sort of the inter intergenerational mix there, but we're talking generation to generation here. Where, um, mm. uh, you know, I'm we my sibling and I arguably uh, fall within the same generation, and now I I have to assist my sibling as well. And and what is the impact, the social impact of that ultimately? Before we now start getting into the merits and the demerits of of such a uh, you know such an arrangement. Yeah, I think part of the impact is the, is the fact that by virtue of you being a focus on on assisting your siblings, mm. um, it means you again to the, another point that you made. It's you literally borrowing from uh, Peter to pay Paul, but but then uh, but Peter is going to be disenfranchised to a degree because that money is not is no longer as available. Because you are you you are trying to assist maybe your sibling, so and here's the risk there you know from a, a impact point of view socially, is that if you are unable 
to provide the necessary financial support to your immediate children to the extent that they can further their studies. And, and I think uh, bearing in mind that, um, uh, you know, stats from stats, I say, do indicate that people who have matric plus mm. are, more, are more employable compared to people who are not. So therefore, it means if you are unable to provide the same support to your own children, this dependency will be passed on to the next generation. It means if if more than half of, uh, more than 50% of the youth um, is unemployed at this juncture, the chances are that the dependency ratios will most likely worsen unless we, we find a way to deal with this thing, with this complex uh, uh, phenomenon. Uh, in a more responsible and more structured way uh, that says, yes, I'll help to this, ex- this extent, but I will have to focus on uh, on my children. Then the other social impact is then the expectation mm. that the very same sibling that you've assisted, that when you're no longer, you don't no longer have the strength, the ex- your expectation will now be that now that they are waking, they must also help your children. So it's just dependencies across the board. Um, not that it, there's anything wrong with people helping each other, but uh, you cannot give what you don't have. It has to be done within a context. No, no, for sure. And uh, I, I think, I mean, it's it's essential then. But I mean, also, I think that for me, what stands out about that is obviously when, and all too often, John, I'm sure you've, you know, you don't just, you're not just uh, participating in a in an interview here today. You also, uh, you know, an avid, of course you would be an avid listener of 702. And I'm pretty sure uh, yes, that you're yes. aware of, of the regular sort of outcry by many of our listeners and, and people who do call in who would point to the fact that, you know, part of the problem is also uh, that government needs to do this and government needs to do that and government is responsible for this, that and the other thing. So in other words, there's almost this dependency on government or sort of a a higher authority. Someone else needs to do the job uh, if you get my drift. And obviously from from that perspective, it is extremely problematic because at some stage we need to uh, be self-sustaining. Um, whether it be within the communities or individuals, et cetera, et cetera. But what I find fascinating about this uh, story, the you know, about this issue around black tax and specifically looking at sort of, in, you know, uh, sibling supporting the other sibling, um, the amazing thing for me about that aspect of the story is the fact that that dependency is, is almost on, on government is then minimized and that, people themselves are empowering themselves. Is it possible for us to look at it from that perspective? Is that a fair view of it? And yeah, I, 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 I would agree. And uh, I mean, I think to the, I will even extend uh, that by saying, um, I think if there's one thing that could shatter the shackles of poverty and actually try and arrest this thing, uh, so that it's not passed on to the next generation is I think we need an entrepreneurship mindset as a country mm. um, because it's, it, 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 it resolves many um, economic and societal challenges that we're facing. Um, you know, because if we have an entrepreneurial spirit and uh, the dependency on government to create jobs becomes less, uh, the dependency from family members becomes less, so, uh, and of course, we all know the benefits of uh, an economy where, uh, you know, uh, employment levels are at, the des- at, at desirable levels. And I think for me, for me, this would be the, the game changer. But I mean, um, as we all know that 
you know, trying to drive an entrepreneurial mindset is a t- daunting task on its own because you need a mindset shift from uh, society because you still have um, sections of our economy who believe very strongly that government needs to come to the party to create jobs. But then you, as you would hear economists say, that actually governments don't necessarily create jobs, but they have to create the right environment um, for jobs to be created. But again, you cannot run away from the fact that the, the solution here is uh, entrepreneurship. I'm not saying it's the only solution, but I certainly believe that it is certainly one way that we can address this thing systematically. No, for sure. And um, I mean, that for me is obviously an important consideration as well. But if you don't mind, what I'm going to do now is that I'm just quickly going to put out a quick uh, call to our listeners who are listening to our conversation there, John, um, to give their own inputs and, and, you know, to to obviously come through with their own calls and questions around this issue of black tax in case there's something that we might have not missed in our conversation, which I think has been quite, uh, you know, almost all-encompassing, but I think that there might be one or two issues that people might have comments or questions on uh, that I'll take on 011-883-0702. We have about 15 minutes for that portion of the conversation, so please get dialing now. Uh, because after this, uh, I promise you, John will be telling us that he's going off to bed because he needs to be up and awake at Old Mutual tomorrow. <laughs> Stay tuned, my friend. Thanks so much. Call Late Night Talk on 011-883-0702. Welcome back. 13 minutes left. So if you haven't dialed yet, so sorry for you. We only have 13 minutes left. Please get dialing now on 011-883-0702. And even if it's a comment or um, your observation around this issue of black tax, please do come through with what you've experienced, what are some of the issues uh, that John and I are obviously discussing at this stage around uh, black tax. Now, uh, John, I guess um, we have many young graduates who are going, about to enter the world of work um, or, you know, they're in the final year of, of their studies. They're about to get their very first job and they are, for the very first time, um, in all likelihood in their lives going to have amounts of 10, 15,000, even 7,500 rands in their bank accounts as salaries. And, you know, right now it doesn't seem like much uh, for people that have been working for some time, but for them it's a, it initially comes across as a hell of a lot of money. You think that you can literally run the world on that amount of money. Um, however, you know, there are certain financial commitments that you have. And I mean, as you said earlier on, uh, the best ally that you have is time. So all too often we do say that, you know, start saving as soon as you possibly can beyond your, um, you know, your, your whatever retirement benefits that you have attached to your working conditions anyway. But save some money, uh, put some money aside for a property, put some money aside for this, that, and the other. People will tell you stock market, this, Bitcoin, that, etc., etc. Uh, but at the very same time, surely you need to put some money aside as well for... Um, the contingency of black tax. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so and and funny enough, you 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 mentioned uh, young people, uh, maybe a young graduate just in their final year. You'll be amazed at how much of NASFAS <laughs> uh, uh, forms part of black tax, even while they are still at university. I'm having interacted with a number of young people, I, I, I do get a lot of uh, feedback from them saying, oh, well, what do you mean black tax when I start working? I've already started now, you know, with 
So even when I, buy, I have to buy a textbook from whatever uh, funds from my bursary or whatever, or whether it be NESFAS, um, a portion of it also has to go home. But I think what young people need to recognize is, especially as they enter the job market, is that uh, insurance is generally, um, um, I don't want to use the word cheaper, but it's generally affordable. Um, and the premiums are likely going to be far less uh, when you are much younger. Mm. Um, so it is the best time to actually speak to a financial uh, planner to look at uh, a, you know, um, so, so to come up with a plan for you, with a portfolio for you, um, you know, while you're young, be it in terms of life cover, be it in terms of uh, even supplementing your 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 pension or provident fund, if you happen to be working for an employer that provides one, but whether or not they do, they do provide, you need to make sure that you start putting those things. I think this is very important, um, especially for young people, so that even when you have to assist um, you know, family members, but you know that you've got the basics right uh, from the onset. Um, you know, so you, because if you delay, you know, mm. having a financial plan, it will it will um, hit you at some point in life. And then, of course, you've got the other challenge of young people feeling that well, um, I've just started working, and then the first priority for them is actually buying a car instead of uh, buying uh, property, mm-hmm. uh, which will appreciate in value. And these things start coming into play. And that's why even if you're assisting um, home, but you need to make sure that at least you started um, chipping away this backlog of accumulating wealth. No, it's extremely important. And uh, as you said, that um, you know, going to see a financial advisor is obviously important. I mean, it's one of those things that... Uh, uh, some of us, unfortunately, have to learn the hard way. Call it the curse of being the firstborn child. Um, but, but you know, by the time you see a financial advisor, it's a couple of years into marriage after you've bought uh, the property, etc., etc. And by then you realize that, oops, I have a lot of work to do to catch up with saving. And that I have to put a lot more of my money, uh, my, my disposable income aside, uh, so that I'm able to have a, a comfortable life post 65. Um, mm. But but I think one of the scariest things about seeing um, a financial advisor, and this for me was also one of my particular worries, is that the first thing that you think is I don't earn enough to go see a financial advisor. And aren't those mm. people expensive anyway? No, true. I mean, that's why, you know, if you talk to a farmer, a farmer understands that a seed is very small. But the seed is not the final product, but then but then it has a role to play. You have to put that seed on the ground. So in the same way that when you're working and you feel that you don't earn enough, actually that is a seed. Um, you know, and I think with good planning, um, over time uh, it will grow. So, um, and, and again, it, you know, it talks to this thing where people want, um, you know, quick, uh, quick wealth, uh, you know, and these get rich. I know I'm digressing, uh, digressing a little bit, but I think it is, it is in my, in my view, also linked to what you're seeing. Because when, when, when young people start working and they realize, eh, okay, isn't there a way that I could fast track uh, wealth creation? Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, when it comes to savings and investment, uh, patience is very important. Um, I always say, if you're not patient, you will become a patient.
So, so I was about I was about to accuse you of saying that, but hang on a second, isn't that someone else's byline? But yeah, I hear what yeah. you <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> on on a serious note, though, I mean for me that's also part of the issue because I think that uh, let's be honest, when we get together with our friends and we 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 you know talk about money and advancement and you know also the issue of uh, keeping up with the Joneses, I think also has a massive role to play in our conversation just overall because part well, of what I'm worried about is is that, uh, especially for for black young black South Africans emerging out of a working class background, um, uh-huh. who, who then enter sort of the the professional life, who are amongst the first professionals emerging out of their families, the first graduates, etc. That type of scenario. Um, uh-huh. There is a keeping up with the Joneses issue as well. You know, we need to wear uh, specific brands. We need to be seen at certain Chisanyamas on certain days, driving uh-huh. certain cars, wearing certain designer brands and watches, etc., etc. I mean, that also has a massive impact. And I think that there's a lot of negativity or negative uh-huh. messages being passed on in terms of the management of finance, generally speaking. Um, uh-huh. But but beyond that is also. Um, the issue of, of, as you said, these get-rich-quick schemes because all too often, uh, very quickly, and I've discovered this, is no matter what salary you get paid, uh, eventually you, your lifestyle catches up with that salary. Um, it's, you know, you, you won't go from 10,000 rands to, say, 30,000 rands a month and, and live a 10,000 rands a month life. No, that's true. I mean, uh, we, we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, there's just so much uh, peer pressure, you know, mm. the, you know, the, the life of instant uh, gratification. Uh, again, you know, you, you, you get these lines where people say, fake it till you make it. Whatever that's supposed to mean, yeah. You know, so, and that's how people uh, fake success. In fact, now that you say, uh, you, you, you say whatever that means, but can you imagine, and, and, and uh, well, I suppose maybe some of the listeners might not understand, you know, when, when especially uh, black people make reference to uh, yellow bones. Mm. So if you, if you, if you, on social media uh, platforms, you realize how many yellow bones are there. These are people with, who are light-skinned. Mm-hmm. Everybody, because of this filter on, on, on these gadgets, you know, all of a sudden, everybody is yellow. But if you see them in real life, they are actually, <laughs> they are not. They, yeah. You know, so it, it just, for me, is reflective of the pressure that people have to conform to certain standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that, they they think are more stylish uh, yeah. things that they, you know and, and unfortunately that's where a lot of wastage uh, goes in mm. um, you know as opposed to using uh, you know as as much as you can towards uh, building wealth and and very true and unlike unfortunately certain Instagram or social media filters for your photos that. Uh, help you uh, attain yellow bonus, uh, you know, digitally, um, you know, which is for free. A lot of the other stuff is actually very expensive and, and you know, out of reach and makes life very difficult. <laughs> As a final one, John, I mean, uh, you know, uh, talking about financial education and um, black tax and special circumstances, I mean, I was uh, very much surprised. I, I went to a job interview years ago um, at an institution linked with Wits University, and maybe it's because it's a university, and people at universities tend to be woke, inverted commas. And I mean, one of the things that was taken into consideration when it came to salary discussions was 
my you know my my socioeconomic background and uh, mm. you know resultant from my race and the mm. probability of me having to support family members beyond uh, my immediate mm. family and and mm. the issue of black tax actually came up um, you know as part of the job interview I mean do we need to start looking at that uh, in terms of employers <laughs> do we need to start looking at that in terms of our financial education in, in formal structures in schools universities etc etc yeah, look, of course, I think it's a subject that uh, I think maybe we need to start dealing with, um, uh, you know, as part of financial literacy and mm. awareness, I think, uh, even in schools, um, you know, as to whether you can pick a lane and say, actually do this. But I think really we need to empower people with knowledge. Um, and also, I think that will also help socialize people uh, maybe perhaps a bit differently about how we should be approaching this. Maybe that could be, that certainly would be a very uh, useful exercise because, and let's face it, I mean, there isn't really a lot of financial education um, uh, programs um, strong enough to actually mm. impact young people, uh, you know, during their formative years uh, in school right up to um, university. So, and because of a lack of financial literacy, and people, um, you know, we we have a very complex relationship with money. I mean, especially if you consider all everything else that's happening in terms of our level of uh, indebtedness, uh, mm. the percentage of our disposable income that's actually servicing um, uh, debt, which is one of the highest in the world. So these things are very important, and I think they need to be addressed. It's those uh, Instagram much. filters, man. Hey, uh, no, there's a uh, yellow bone. It's a green. It, it's a, it, and there's new apps now. You you can do an app, and it, it makes you younger. Eh? Wow! (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to be investing in that very quickly. But just in the 30 seconds, less than 30 seconds that we have left, I mean, employers, should they start looking at that in terms of salary structures? Is Is it something that they should at least consider? I I don't think employers should necessarily be be looking at uh, taking that into account when they're structuring uh, the the package. I don't know. Maybe someone might argue and say, no, but then Mm. because I come from a previously uh, disadvantaged background, therefore they must take into account my family situation. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you, man. I hear you. Look, it was it was uh, thoroughly informative and a great conversation. Unfortunately, because of time, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much, John. That was John Manyike, Head of Financial Education at Old Mutual. It's midnight.